the uh, issue of disunity, uh, disconnection, indifference, infighting, all of that um, is very painful to any church. And the fact of the matter is it exists in almost every church. And our church is no exception. So do we ignore these issues? Do we say that these are universal? Do we say that these are inalienable? I mean, you can't do anything about it. Or do we say that we are humans, and so we tend to make mistakes? And so, you know, is this just, just take it, take it in the, with a go. That true peace and perfection cannot be reached till we get to heaven. What do we do? Is there, is there special instruction, specific instruction, sorry, in the Bible that helps us understand how do you deal with this? And I'm thankful that there is. Because if God's word is saying for us to be perfect like he is, there is God's word to show us how. If God's word is saying you need to be conformed to the image of the Son, there is a way that we see in the Bible. And so we can be thankful for God's word. We can be thankful that, that it is God who saves and God who equips and God who helps and that we are not left to ourselves. But if we are left to ourselves, we'd be miserable. We'd be looking at 1 Corinthians. And we, we, we saw over the past two weeks that the first Corinthian, as, this, as Paul writes this episode, he calls it the church of God. The Corinthian church, which was, uh, should have been a write-off, is called the church of God. And as I read through Corinthians, I mean, we was, like we had said before, we were supposed to do another passage from 1 Corinthians, but this is a passage that stuck with me. Uh, and what came very strongly is the church is a family. We don't get to choose family. Uh, in all of our family, there is that weird Harold, Uncle Harold or their aunt Agatha, or, you know, I mean, I'm using those names. Hopefully there's nobody with a middle name that, but, but I, what I'm saying is that, that that's family. And, and Paul is bringing in this one thing, saying that, you know, we come because of this perfect God. We tend to make mistakes. We tend to err. We tend to hurt. We tend to do all of that. We tend to sin. And how then do we become perfect as God is asking us to be? How then do we be conformed to the image of the Son? And so today what we want to do is to continue on the theme and we say, how do we become or how are we to be a maturing church? 
a maturing church. So what Paul is doing is first he, he tells them who they are in Christ, and, and, and then he talks about the cross, and then he comes to what as a Christian we are to be, maturing. And that is what we will see in chapter 2. And he talks to the individual and to the church how we need to be maturing. And, and so the lesson for today is spiritual maturity is an essence, is an essential component to the healthy life of the church and of the individual. The spiritual maturity, that's a new, that's a term that's coming in. So the three questions we need to ask when we talk about spiritual uh, maturity is, what is spiritual maturity? We want to answer that. What is spiritual maturity? How do we grow in spiritual maturity? And what are the dangers of not growing spiritually? And so our passage for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Chapter 3, verse 3, and we will look through it as we go. Okay, so that's a passage. Open your Bibles there and hold to it. And so as we go through, you will know what we are reading. What I want to do is first bring out six lessons from this passage, six lessons on spiritual maturity. All right, the first one is in verse 9 and 10, the first part of 10. I'm going to have Praveen read that. Thank you. So the first lesson we need to understand is there's a difference between a natural man, a man in the world, versus a man who believes in Jesus Christ. A man who is of the world versus the one who believes in Jesus Christ. You see, the verse that we read is this natural man, the one on the outside who does not know Jesus Christ, is not able to see, think, or imagine the things of God. If you tell, we've already saw that in the previous chapter. If you talk to him about the cross, it's foolishness. It is weakness. He does not understand how that could be the power of God to save. And so there is this difference, and the difference is because that God has revealed these things to us through the Spirit. We read that in verse 10. And in verse 12, uh, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, again it goes on to say, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. It is God who helps us understand. The spirit of God who helps us understand the things about God. Uh, Robert Pine, uh, in, in this article, The Role of Holy Spirit in Conversion. Let me read this. It is... It is as though God is speaking in a language that the unbeliever does not understand. He or she fails to respond properly. He, needs, he or she needs an interpreter. Uh, that is the ministry that only the Holy Spirit can perform. What's happening, what is happening is, you see, there is the Holy Spirit inside of us who helps us understand the things of God. Without the Holy Spirit, when we read God's word, the depths and the wonders of it is we're not possible. It's not possible for us to understand. So the first difference that we need to know is that this, this presence, this indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the ones who believe 
in Jesus Christ. And that's where things begin to look beautiful. That's when we start to say he is beautiful beyond description. Because the world would then only see a man on the cross who died without the spirit of God. But then the second is where Paul is not bringing. He's saying there's a difference between a mature Christian and a Christian who is not mature. A mature Christian and a Christian who is not mature. So verse 6, if you can read for me, of chapter 2. And we can read verse 7 too. 6 and 7. So among the mature, we impart wisdom, all right? They receive the, mature, the wisdom of God, verse 7. Which God has decreed, right? So we, we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God. It continues on to say that this depth, the deep things of God, can be received and understood because of this Christian who is maturing, who is mature. Now, I want us to understand maturity is not about age. Maturity is not about that you have stayed, uh, you've become a Christian a long time ago, and, and that age is maturity. No, that is not maturity. Maturity is the ability and the, and the ability to receive and the willingness to, to uh, accept and, and uh, practice the deep things of God, the greater things of God. This is increasing knowledge about God. Now, you might ask, what does that mean? And that's the question, right? Like, what does that mean, the deep things of God? Paul, in chapter 3, verse 3, he says, uh, as he continues on, we'll get to that, but uh, in 3, he says, I couldn't feed you except milk, except milk. So what, what Paul is saying is, I could give you only milk, not strong meat. So he creates that differentiation. What is happening is, you see, the, the milk of, the, of God's word, the, the simple or the elementary things of the faith, the things that talk to us about the love of Christ, the things that talk to us about the, the salvation, the things, all of those things that we really like to hear, we love it, we love it, we just need that milk, we, it's great. But then there's an expectation to grow as a disciple, when it gets to discipleship, you know what happens is because you have to begin sacrificing. There's this sacrifice. There's this obedience. There's this subjection. There are greater things expected of you. And so we say, no, 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 talk to me about the love of Christ. And we just want the milk. Milk versus the meat is one way of looking, the things that we, we find are difficult to chew, difficult to digest, difficult to say, I'm going to take the sin because this is God's word, I'm going to grow, that lacking is what we see here, the difference between uh, maturity and not uh, mature. Because in, uh, you know, the, this babes in Christ, this phrase babes in Christ is used uh, here in chapter 3, verse 1. Infants in Christ, my version says that. But First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 also talks about the babes, like babes who desire meal, milk, sorry. And I want you to understand that there, there is a difference between those two, what Paul is saying and what Peter is saying. 
what Paul is saying is, listen, you, I, I couldn't give you meat. You just like wanting to have milk like babes. And Peter is talking about the desire to have milk like infants. These are the ones who have just become, who've just come to know who Christ is and have understood the glories and have started to enjoy who he is. And they want more and more and more. And this, hopefully they, be, they grow. But here is somebody who is not growing but is satisfied with just the milk. The difference between two is this one has is stunted while this one has taught it. The one in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is the one who is stunted in his growth, and the one in 1 Peter 2 is the one who is stunted in his growth. They are two different. The difference between maturity and those who not mature. And then you have the third. I want you to understand that the maturing is within the context of the church. Maturing is within the context of the church. So you have the natural man and the, and the uh, believer, the Christian, or the one who knows Christ. And then within that, you, we seeing Paul is saying there's a mature and not so mature. And, and, and now he's saying that this maturing happens within the context of a church. If you will turn to uh, verse 6 again, chapter 2, verse 6, uh, it says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. This is written to the church in the context of the church and is saying it's about the teaching of the church, like God's word being given, being imbibed, being learned and applied so that they can grow to maturity in Jesus Christ. I'm not sure where you read this article, but um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, it, it was called, it's it's in this article that's called The Gospel According to Mark Zuckerberg. So the, the Facebook uh, CEO is saying that, you see, church has stopped playing its role. And so we want to take on the role of the church in bringing communities together around a common purpose. Unfortunately, what he's saying is true in some sense that, you know, the communal feeling, the community uh, feeling that the church ought to have is strained. And so he sees a void, and he says let's, it, it could be Facebook, a Facebook community that can fill that void. And it could be successful, but it will not be transformational. It, it, it does not change people for for eternity, or there's no eternal change. These are two different things. And yet the pain of the fact that a church which should bring people together is become, is, is, is in the news for the wrong things. But the confidence that we have is this. That this is the church of God. This is the church that Christ is building. That apart from the church, there is no other way that we can grow as a Christian. So we don't come here because we meet God here uh, individually. Because if that were true, then we 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 are liable to lock God up during the weekday. 
We come here because we, we come to encourage, to strengthen, to build up, and so that we can worship God together in the corporate setting, but so that we can grow to that maturity. And so that's the, that's the pain of 1 Corinthians. And if in some sense, if that is where we are, then this is a good passage for us to look at and say, we can be, Lord, help us to avoid the pitfalls that 1 Corinthians had. So there's a difference between those who don't have the Spirit of God and those who have the Spirit of God, and then there's this difference between those who are growing versus those who are not growing as Christians. And then we're saying that this growth happens within the church, but the fourth one is what really uh, uh, comforts me is because it says it's the Holy Spirit who matures. There is this fourfold ministry of the Holy Spirit in this passage. So in chapter 10, it's chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, uh, if you can read for me, 10 and 11. So the Spirit searches everything, thank you. Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. You see, the intent of God, what is it that God wants to do? The Spirit of God knows. Uh, that's what we read in this verse, all right? So that's the first ministry but the second is in verse 12 so continue reading brother all right so that we can understand the things given by god the spirit of god who knows the mind of god is the spirit given to us so that we can know the mind of god he indwells in the believer so that's the second ministry. First, he knows the mind of God, and now he comes to reveal the things of God to us. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. You know, when I go away, I'm going to send the comforter who will teach you, who will remind you of the things that I have said before. And so there's something else in verse 13 which says, and thus we impart, and the words not taught by human wisdom, but by taught by the Spirit of God. You see, uh, there's the teaching of the teacher, the instruction of the believer, the interpreting of the spiritual truth for those who are spiritual must be done in the power of the Spirit. So this instruction that is happening, he knows the mind of God, he reveals the mind of God, and he instructs us as the mind of God. And then verse 14 and they're spiritually discerned. It, he helps us understand. So I, I wanted, wanted to understand this, right? So the Spirit of God knows the mind of God. He indwells in us. He reveals to us the mind of God. He instructs us, and we are able to understand what God wants us to do. And this is a wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, who resides in us. And in verse 14, it says it's because the confidence that we have that it's the Spirit of God who matures us, we know that this task will be complete. 
It is not you and I striving for. It's not you and I saying that, oh, wish I could and, and struggle and, and, just, and just be upset or, or just be uh, disheartened. It's the Spirit of God who, is, who will fulfill this in every Christian. But then there's also the fifth part, which says, you know, this maturing does not happen from the, without the labor and the involvement of the believer. There's this intentional maturing. When in, in chapter 3 and verse 3, where uh, Paul is actually saying, listen, I couldn't talk to you, for you are still of the flesh, and while there is jealousy and strife among you, uh, you're only behaving in the human way. As he talks about it, what he's saying is, listen, this fault the way you are is because of you. It's not the fault of the Holy Spirit. It's not that he is not minister. He's not doing what he is, ought to do. It's, there is a problem with the church, the people of the church here in the Corinthian church. It's not the fault of the Holy Spirit. But then the sixth one that I take from the word maturing is that there is a timeline. There's a timeline, that there is a growth. That is, it's not spontaneous. That means just because you were born again, just because you believe in Jesus Christ, not that you suddenly become mature in Jesus Christ. It's a growth. What it means is I'm not at the edge of where I started, but I started to to grow and start to move away and to, to know more about, about the truths of God. Because if I stay too close to where I am, I might, there's this tendency to fall. If I continue to be only on the milk and not grow to the strong meat, I will be weak. And Paul is saying that maturity is important. Uh, how I see this, um, how I see this issue of uh, the one who has committed his life to Jesus Christ, and yet there seems to be this struggle. And as each of us come together, we continue to, you know, to understand how do we do church life. The example that I think is uh, that of the atom bomb being dropped on Hiroshima. You see, the day the bomb was dropped, effectively the World War II ended. But the rebel forces still had to be controlled and to be fought over and to, and to be brought un under subjection. It took time. Everything didn't stop on that day. There was still that process. And so the Holy Spirit, what he does is he, he dealt this decisive blow on the enemy. The enemy was struck. The victory is secured. But the rebel forces of the flesh will take a lifetime. And this maturing is a lifelong process. Is a lifelong process. And I thank God for that. I thank God that we, on the day that we commit, that we become a Christian, we say, Lord, you are my Lord and Master, that perfection did not come to us at that time because then we would have lived a life apart from the strength 
of God. We wouldn't have come to say, Lord, I need you. There's nothing that I can do without you. I need your strength. It's this daily recognition that of us and in us there's no strength, no ability. That daily subjection of ourself, this crucifixion of ourself on the cross, this daily caring, the denial of ourself that ought to happen on a daily basis, that's what matures us, draws us out from that, from that elementary things to, to grow in dependence and to know who uh, and to know the greater things about our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, you see, as you read this, and I'm going to introduce to you four people, introduce you to, to some, uh, some people here that he continues to talk to in this passage. But as I introduce you to these people, and you know, uh, I did a little a background on these four people uh, with the names and what the names mean and the character and all of that. And I, as I put the images up there, I don't want you to think I'm doing it facetiously. It's not so that, you know, it's not just for fun, but hopefully that this creates an image in ourselves. And to identify who we are, you know, who of these are we? And to recognize that as God has placed us here as a family, as ones who belong to the church of God, as ones who say that it is not about us, that it's not us, it's Jesus Christ. And as we say that we're not satisfied with where we are, we need to grow, we, we, we would mature, lest we find ourselves weak or falling and, and, and immature. Paul gives these uh, groups of people. Now you might, you might, you know, according to your reading, you, you might say, all right, there are only two, there are three, or there are four, depending on who you read, because John MacArthur says there are two people, the believers and the unbelievers, the spiritual and the natural. If you read Lewis Schaefer, uh, he talks about the unbelievers, the spiritual believers, and the carnal believers. If you uh, read Constable, uh, there is the unbelievers, the mature believers, the mature believers, and the carnal believers. And, and uh, I don't want us to get into a debate about the fine theological aspects of it. But what I really want to draw your attention to are the four names that Paul has given. And to learn from those four uh, lessons for ourselves. So the first one is, um, my Greek name is Psychios. Uh, uh, read about it in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Praveen, if you could read that. Okay. So you can call me, also known as Mr. Natural. Okay. We got that. Also known as Mr. Natural or Natural Woman. I have a French name too, or Natural, but that's right. Mr. Natural. But why this name? Why this name? You see, because... I'm named after my character, the nature, the flesh. I, I, I don't mean the skin, I don't mean the muscle, but the nature, the flesh. 
I, it's the worldly nature. It's the one that I was born with. And I was, I'm happy that I was born this way and happy to be that. And I don't want to change. But that's me, the natural, natural self. But uh, some call me the uh, believer. Uh, some, sorry, some call me the unbeliever. Uh, I'm the skeptic. I'm the agnostic. I'm the atheist. I don't believe. But my character is that I'm governed by breath. That's what my name fully means. I'm governed by breath. I live as long as I have breath. I'm sensuous by nature. I follow my senses. I mean, it's about, the, about my feelings. It's about my, uh, what I see, what I hear, uh, you know, my, my sensory organs. Uh, people who have written about me say that I've got, I, I give into my appetite and to my passion. I'm like the beast of the field, unrestrained and free. And uh, because I live for the moment, I live for the moment. I think that if I die, I, I'm dead. That's it. So consequence is inconsequential. I'm about the natural. And if you can read verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14, it talks to me about the, be- talks to us about my behavior. 2.14. So three things there. I will not accept the things of God. I think it is foolish and a waste of time. And I can't understand why they make so much about nothing because I it's the natural man who has no understanding of who God is or what the spiritual is and my motivation is I'm the guy he probably started the hashtag YOLO you'll only live once you see I'm for the moment that's what a natural man is but read verse 15 talks about the second man or the second woman, Mimotikos, in verse 15. Thank you. Uh, They call me Miss Spiritual. That's the word that we have in the Bible. And and why that name? I want you to understand that I'm I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm just a little mature. Not perfect. But I'm mature. You may call me a Christian or a Christ follower or a believer because I want to live according to what I believe of the tenets in the scripture, of what, uh, what I read in the scripture. And then my character. Uh, there are some books written about me. You know, the guy Strong, the concordance guy, he says, I act to serve as God's instrument or organ. Now, that's a high expectation, but that's what I aspire to be known as, that I would be God's instrument or organ. And my unique strengths, I like to examine, I like to judge, I like to inquire, I like to scrutinize, I like to sift, I like to question, I like to determine things that are excellent. And it's important for me to know the truth of the matter about the things of God. And my behavior in all things are desired to exhibit the fruit of the spirit and not the labor of the flesh. In Galatians 5 and 22, we see how the detail of the 
fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, um, um, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we see that those are things that are like to um, exhibit. Verse 15, again, it says, the spiritual, he that is spiritual understands all things, though he is not understood by man. That's what it says in verse 15. That is, you know, the misnatural or the Mr. Natural, he, he or she cannot understand me because for them it's beyond. Like they can't understand why is this person this way. Is because of the Spirit of God in the person. They can't understand my love for the Word of God, but the love for the people of God and love for the things of God. And that's the reason why I cannot have alliance or dalliance with Miss Natural. The reason why these, don't, these two don't come together is because we're so totally different. And what's the motivation in verse 16? The mind of Christ has been given to me. As I grow, as I understand, as I see, as I learn and apply this mind of Christ to my life so that I'm, I, I, I can live according to what God would have me. So let me take you to the third person in chapter 3, verse 1. His name is Sarkinos. Sarkinos. In verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. People of the flesh as infants in Christ. You see, because you can call me Mr. Similar, because I'm very similar to the flesh, and, and, but not the same. I'm known as the man of the flesh in verse 1 that we saw that. And, and why this name? Because I, I'm the baby of the house. I, I might look old, but I prefer to be the child. I, and, uh, and the word that is there is very apt because it says uh, it has the analogy of being soft and fleshy. Infants in Christ. What's my character? Well, I do act like a child, but I prefer to be called the infants in Christ, and I think that's what you should call me, infants in Christ. What is the behavior? Again, in verse 1 and verse 3, I don't fully understand how Miss Spiritual acts all spiritual. As for me, I know I'm human. I act human, verse 3, I, I don't keep in my emotion. I think it's important that others know how I feel. And my motivation is that I really don't want to grow up. You know, being a baby has its perks. There's no accountability. My tantrums are endured. My, I have plenty of excuses. And I just like to be where I am. You have the third person. Sarkikos in verse 3, chapter 3, verse 3. Right. So don't confuse me with the older brother who acts like a baby, Sarkikos. My name is Sarkikos, or Mr. 
carnal. I, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but I haven't dropped my old name. And so Bible calls me of the flesh in, in uh, chapter 3 and verse 3. I'm still governed by my human nature. I don't fully give in to the Spirit of God. It gets me in trouble. It keeps me in control. And I'm able to take care of myself. Now I understand it's not the best way to live. It's short term. I intend to change, but all in a good time. For now, I'm temporarily focused. Strong, which is again the concordance guy, is pretty strong when he wrote, I'm still under the animal instinct. And I hope to tame the beast in me soon. And my behavior is that you know, I think jealousy is a virtue, I strive, uh, but this is what God has given me, and I will change when God changes me. And my motivation is God helps those who help themselves. And uh, all that the Bible says is great, but then when we live, we need to make some changes. We have to live in a way that... Uh, that uh, that I'm not you, um, uh, that we must take action to succeed in life. Sorry. What did I read through that? Is because that's what I collected uh, about those four characters. And he uses four different characters to imply the difference, differences that we can be in a community. A community that is the church of God, a community that needs to be self-denying can also exhibit these four different characters. And that's the reason why we say that we want to give in and give up and all of those and move on to maturity. And if you don't, then we'll have the same problem that the church in Corinth faced. So he makes a difference between the natural man and the spiritual man. He makes a difference between the mature man and the immature man. And then, and as we, when we have time later, when we come back, we'll see in chapter three, there's a difference between a co-builder and uh, co-building with Jesus Christ and uh, the ones who destroy the church, the ones who, whose work will endure, the one who builds with gold, silver, and precious stones, and the ones who build with wood, hay, and straw. But as you look at this in, in its entirety, what it is is that we have to grow. Maturity is necessary. You see... I'm not sure whether you've you've experienced this ever, but at home sometimes you know the the um, the fire the alarm that we have uh, it starts to beep when the battery goes down. There's this low battery beeping that beeps, right? And we keep thinking, oh, we're going to change it later. We'll change it later. We'll change it later. And we don't do that, and very soon we get used to that sound. And the still small voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks into our hearts. I want to urge you that 
not because of who we are and not because of where we are and not because of the differences that we are, but because of Jesus Christ, because of the one that he is the one who is building the church. It's a spirit who is in us, who, through, who reveals to us the deep things of Christ, that we have the hope and the confidence that we will be perfected. But still such time, we are to grow and to build and to be that testimony that God has called us to. If we are stagnant, if you're satisfied with where we are, if we say that this is where, this is okay, then, then those two examples that he gave, right? The, he first said the natural man and the, and the, and the uh, spiritual man, or the, the mature and the mature, and, and, those, and those differentiation. I see the kind of difference in the two modes of transport. You see, if you take the plane versus any land transport, you see, with the land transport, you can, you can stop, you can, you can park, you can do anything. But if you are called to fly, you can't do that in the sky. You have to be going forward. And in a sense, that is what Christian life is all about. This dissatisfaction of where we are is great. But let's build together to take us into being the maturing church into being that, knowing that it's love that binds us, knowing that it's a self that needs to be crucified, and that the spiritual growth is lifelong. Until that time, we pray that in our midst, God himself would be glorified. Father, we thank you for all that you've been. We thank you, Lord, that... Um, that in this life, as we constantly struggle, as we hurt, as we, as we um, find our circumstances, our situations, whatever there be, um, dissatisfying, we pray, Lord, that it would draw us to the cross, the cross of Christ that reminds us of love, that we would deny ourselves knowing that in self-denial you are glorified. And we pray that this purpose to which you have called us together as a community of faith, faithful, building faithfully with gold, silver, and precious things, and we pray, Lord, that our lives would be so transformational that people would see that there is, there is God working in their midst, that they will see, Lord, that there is something different which they will want for themselves because you're the one who does this transformation. You're the one who alone is willing and capable. And we, we pray that lives would be impacted for eternity because of what you are doing in the lives of your people. Apart from you, we are feeble. Apart from you, we are frail. Apart from you, we, we are uh, totally incompetent. But we know this one thing, Lord, that in spite of us, you will use us. And so we pray, Lord, that our desire would be that we'd be faithful 
and that we be faithfully growing till that day when we found on the throne spotless and blameless. We'll be found to the praise of your glory. To, the, to that end we pray. And we ask all this in the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.